Welcome to Church in the North, a podcast by ministry leaders and for ministry leaders. I'm your host, Rob Chartrand, Program Coordinator for Christian Ministry at Briarcrest College. And I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff Dresser, Assistant Professor of Worship Arts. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, Rob. And of course, Dan Goddard, Lead Pastor of Victory Church in Moose Jaw. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Rob. So, this weekend, uh, coming up at the date of this podcast, uh, pre-show recording, is Thanksgiving in the U.S., uh, which is the fourth week in November, guys. Um, we don't celebrate it on that weekend, do we? We do not. No, yeah. We no. celebrated on a second uh, week in October, um, which is strange to us. But, I mean... That's because we follow the metric system. That's right. That's metric. <laughs> is that the reason? It's metric Thanksgiving. I think there's a there's historic reasons why we do it differently, but it's kind of lost on me. You guys know the reasons why we have different dates? Well, there's just different, different stories behind it, I guess. A Canadian one is... What is it? An explorer came and well, that that's the early thing, yeah. But then there's all these convoluted reasons okay, that for the dates that yeah, move around yeah, throughout yeah, history. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we won't go into the details of that. But uh, uh, you guys ever try and think in your minds which date is better? Like, is 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 it better to have Thanksgiving second week in October, or is it better to push it till later, till like fourth week in November? What do you guys think, Jeff? You got a thoughts on this? I, I I've I mean I love the. Uh, I'm going to watch football tomorrow. Uh, my Detroit Lions are playing their traditional Thanksgiving Day game. But uh, I feel like, yeah, November's way too late. Hmm. I, I just, it's got to be October. Yeah. That's my preference, too. I, I like it uh, further from Christmas, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, it feels more like harvest season, too, which is nice. So I'm, I'm all about the October date. Yeah, like October needs a holiday, right? Otherwise, it's all by itself. Yeah. And Halloween's not really a holiday. Yeah. Canadian way is better. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Always. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, but I, you know, I just think, you know, it's I, October 31st and then all of a sudden, boom, you're hitting Thanksgiving, then boom, you're hitting Christmas. Yeah. I mean, to be a retailer even to try and keep up with this would just be, be a bit of a crazy time. But, um, but uh, this time of year as well, with Thanksgiving comes uh, American, other American holidays, two very famous ones. One is uh, Black Friday and the other one is Cyber Monday, very important American holidays, which we end up getting here in Canada. We do. Take advantage of those. Yeah. Do you guys do, you guys do any uh, Black Friday uh, deals or Cyber Monday? Um, the, there are other members of my family who, who appreciate Black Friday, but, okay. uh, but I... I don't like shopping. I make my <laughs> annual trip to the mall sometime around Christmas time, but uh, but that's it. I am not into Black Friday. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Dan? Yeah. I mean, I used to be into it. I think about what I wanted and, you know, yeah. wait for the date and check the prices and all of that. But yeah, the last few years, I don't know. You just, just buy what you want I, when That's you probably want. the that's issue. <laughs> just getting older, crustier. Forget the deals. Yeah, yeah. You must be hard to buy for for Christmas. <laughs> right. like, to the man you who have has everything. everything. Yeah. How do I buy something for there him? There it is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not really a big, uh, same thing. Like I, I don't really go for the deals or anything like that. Cause typically I, I feel kind of content. I got what I want. And so I'm not sitting there waiting for this new TV or anything like that. And I mean, how many TVs does a man need really? Like, I mean, I got like 12 in my house somewhere. Like I'm exaggerating. But probably not a bad idea, right? If you have something that's on your list, yeah. like, you, yeah, you know, oh, I it. need, I need a new computer or I need this, that's I need right. that. Then yeah. I guess yeah. watch for, uh. A sale. <laughs> yeah, I, I've done. I haven't done. I've done Boxing Day, right? Waits. Sure. I don't know if you guys ever done them, like on Boxing Day, like the post Christmas uh, lineups outside uh, stores. 
uh, my wife starts Christmas shopping on Boxing Day for the, for the next year. So oh. she, she'll oh. buy like oh wow wrapping paper and cards and uh, all these. She'll get them at you know huge yeah. discounts, yeah. and then she will literally start shopping okay. for it. And so uh, I used to go with her, but we have decided that it is healthier for everyone. <laughs> If uh, if I don't accompany her on on those shopping good marriage counseling there, yeah, Thank that's you. great, that's Thank great. I, I one year years ago when my like this is like twenty years ago when my kids were just little, uh, there was this deal. I, we needed a new fridge, and so I stood in line on Boxing Day. I got in line at six a.m. outside of a Best Buy, waited for it to open, and opened. And the lo- the lineup was literally like two blocks long, and it's twenty below, and I'm standing wow. outside waiting to get a refrigerator. And then I got in there, and they had advertised these refrigerators, but there were no refrigerators in the store. Right. And so I had to actually buy it and then wait for it to come to me. And it was a brand from, like, China, and it took, like, three weeks to get to me. <laughs> and then it came, and the handle was broken. And I ended up just buying a full-priced so. GE or something like that after all the misery. So, so you're not a Boxing Day waiting no, line guy? No, none of those. I, I vowed never again, never again. Um Anyway, yeah, it's an interesting time of year because, I mean, not only is it uh, Thanksgiving and uh, these other very important spiritual holidays like Cyber M- Monday and <laughs> Black Friday. It's giving also, Tuesday. Giving, oh, giving Tuesday. Oh, tell, tell us about that. Oh, it, it's, a, uh, it's a thing after Cyber Monday that all of the that charities, charities yeah. you know, churches yeah. and um, ministries will... Uh, will advertise. Oh, it's Giving Tuesday, oh, so okay. it's a it's a day yeah. for one day a year for giving. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> be generous. It's, it's not the day where you get rid of all your old junk technology because you bought all the new stuff on Cyber Monday. No, okay, I didn't know about that. Okay, everyone, remember Giving Tuesday. No, what I was referring to was the first Sunday of Advent, which happens. Uh, yes on December 3rd. So that's, you know, that will be six days after this podcast airs. So if it's Monday morning, you're listening to this. If you didn't know, uh, First Advent is starting on Sunday, six days from now. Right. So uh, do you guys, does your church do anything for Advent? Is that, is that part of your, your regular ministry rotation uh, in your church calendar? Yeah, for us, it's some years, yes. Some years, no. Uh, some years we do it uh, more uh, intensively, and other years it just touch on it. Um, we always talk about Christmas and go through the texts, yeah. that, uh, yeah. scripture in those areas. But uh, in our context, so many of our people are first generation believers mm. that it's brand new thought to them. It, okay, it, the word Advent isn't even in their vocabulary. Yeah, and then uh, a lot of the others who aren't first generation Christians come from non traditional churches where it, it is still not existent. So right. I grew up in a church with with uh, full Advent, mm. but honestly, uh, I don't remember it. I, okay. I mean, literally, first 19 years of my life, I celebrated Advent for 19 straight years, and in my home, I remember it very vividly. Yeah. We did the weekly, hmm. you know, pieces, but in my church, I don't remember a single thing about Advent. It's did you, like, do, like, the Advent calendar where you, like, get chocolates for every day? No, no, we did, okay. like, devotions and candles and... Okay, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. It was a family, no, no big chocolate. deal in our family growing yeah. up, yeah, but no, no quote-unquote Advent calendars. Okay, yeah. yeah. Jeff, your church experience, has Advent been part of your uh, rhythms? I, I mean, I've always been part of evangelical churches where it isn't, where we mix sort of Christmas uh, celebrations into the Advent period, but I, I have done, uh, I mean, at at our church in Moose Jaw and at other churches I've served at where we've sort of blended together uh, an Advent 
some sort of Advent celebration, mm. usually in the first part of the service where we would do Advent readings and light a, light a candle on the Advent wreath uh, and so on, to, to experience part of that, the longing and the waiting aspect of, of Advent, and then sort of moved on to, to a more celebratory thing. Okay. So we've kind of done a hybrid thing, which... I mean, you, you can you can make arguments for and uh, and against that, but um, but yeah, it certainly wasn't part of my upbringing at all. Mm-hmm. Do you guys do anything like personally during Advent, like in terms of your own personal spiritual journeys, devotions, anything like that? That's part of Advent, or do you just find as as a pastor, it's really hard to do that? Anything? You, I mean, you've done from a devotional that? perspective, I take time in the prophetic writings of messianic writings mm. yeah that would be yeah i guess but that's that's pretty close to the extent of my personal yeah engagement yeah. with it yeah we had when our boys were younger for years we had an advent devotional that we would do okay. every year and sunday night we would as a family we had an advent wreath and we would light the candles and mm. we yeah. would we would do the readings and we always had a, an advent calendar with uh, chocolates in it yeah, <laughs> okay. that, yeah. uh the, the same one that we would use every year so so yeah. there were uh, traditions uh, as a family that we celebrated, and it's yeah. it's not quite the same with just uh, just the <laughs> yeah. two of us. But right. um, but yeah, yeah, we have celebrated it at home, and it's been quite meaningful for us as a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that as a family too, actually. Funny enough, and which is what I grew up with. That was mm. a vivid memory. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Well, we never like with our kids. We never did like the Advent wreath because because we had started to incorporate it into the worship of our local sure. church. Yeah. Um, but we did the Advent candle for sure, yeah. I, I mean, sorry, the Advent chocolates. Chocolates, uh, the yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you got to do that, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> this is just a side note. It's not an endorsement. Or it's just an, uh, an observation. I did notice there is an Advent uh, beer case that you can get. Okay. So it's, it's, a, it's an Advent calendar that uh, you pop it open, and there's a beer that's available right. uh, for every single day of the week leading up to Advent. I never partook of it, but I did notice it one time when I was at a Christian auction, and I thought, oh, that's... <laughs> Christian auction. That's, Maybe maybe somewhat controversial for our listeners, but uh, exactly. them... well, that's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, we never had that in our home. Uh, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, we did have chocolate, and uh, yeah, that was that was important. So for us. wait, where was this beer advent calendar, Rob? Where could I get? <laughs> <laughs> Black Friday deal. You got to go. Black Friday. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> it's gone by Cyber Monday. Um, yeah, like I. I for me, the discovery of Advent came later on in my faith. Like it wasn't until like, because of my evangelical Pentecostal background, it wasn't mm. really something that was talked about. And so it was really only in the last like, 15 years that it really became part of a rhythm. So I, I've tried to figure out how to do that a little bit better. Um, from a, from the least would be like, at least be conscious to, to, you know, maybe the Advent devotional or something like sure. that. That's kidding me for reflecting on it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's an important part of the, the historic Christian calendar, and um, I, I would hope that I would uh, take part in it more, and our churches would take part in it more. Mm. Um, and of course, our, our guest this week is going to be talking about that, uh, Reverend Dr. Dean Pinter, who is the rector of St. Aidan's Church here in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, which is an Anglican church. Yeah, that's exciting to get him on. A yeah. Lot of, a lot of respect for him in our community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He guy. is a good cat. Yeah. And I just, yeah, it's just had a, we're, this is going to be a really rich conversation that we have with him. And and for those, you know, who are maybe not from a liturgical background or from, uh, 
you know, a, a, a community that maybe doesn't celebrate Advent extensively, I think this is going to be a really helpful uh, conversation for, for everyone. Uh, so we're going to talk about Advent, we're going to talk about liturgy, and we're going to talk about evangelicalism. And, uh, and uh, Dean's, um, uh, he's such a great, great, gracious uh, mm. guest. And uh, yeah, he's just so honest and just so real. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity for our, our hearers to listen to, to Father Dean uh, today. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking for that, forward to that too. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for coming in for uh, this day and we'll see you again next week. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, Rob. Well, we're excited to have Reverend Dr. Dean Pinter, Rector of the St. Aidan Anglican Church in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Dean, welcome to the show. It's a delight to be with you, Rob. All right. Hey, let's let's get back to your um, your story of of working with Saint Aidan. Uh, mm. How many be, how many years you've been with Saint Aidan? Uh, about eleven and a half years now. Okay, wow. Yeah. So, uh, really quickly, tell us how, how did you end up in the in the role that you're at at Saint Aidan's? Yeah, about uh, I I mean my my first part of my working life, I was I was teaching. I was a professor. I was a professor in uh, New Testament studies and early Judaism, and uh, yeah, about. 12 years ago, it became clear I needed to make a somewhat change of direction in my career. And and I was at that time uh, already ordained as an Anglican priest mm. and serving um, in a little local church as an associate priest, it's called, which is okay. not non-paid. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have one at St. Aidan who actually, uh, his day job works is working here uh, at oh, okay. Briarcrest, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. Um, Cal McFarland, yeah. but uh, he's our associate priest. So I was sort of like Cal, I was teaching at a college. Yeah. But um, uh, circumstances brought me to a change, and and I became uh, what's known in our circles as an incumbent priest. Yeah, so I was yeah. the, the 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 priest in charge, so to speak, of the parish okay. uh, on the bishop's yeah, yeah. license. So right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, not every, not all of our listeners are, are familiar with Anglicanism. Um, so you you can go by the title Father. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're, but you're a priest, so you don't have any children. <laughs> <laughs> I have many children, uh, and some of them are my own. Okay. No, I. Yeah, in the Anglican tradition, of course, uh, priests can be married. Uh, it's, yeah. it's actually it's mentioned in the thirty nine articles. Okay. Uh, actually, that 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 ministers are not required to be celibate, and okay. that's that's not true. So it's uh, no, I'm married. We have three adult children, um, and but I'm called. Sometimes people just call me Dean, of course, yeah, as their yeah. priest. But some some want a title. I think people who've been Anglican longer right. sometimes want to have a title. And Reverend Doctor just sounds so presumptuous and too long. Uh, yes, uh, but yes. Father is yeah, a, a spiritual father. I want to I want to I want to help, as Paul would have said. I, I, I I'm birthing. I want to see people birthed yeah. into the in, in, into 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 the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, you haven't always been an Anglican. No. Um, your your tradition actually is tied to my early faith tradition um, in apostolic churches, so with Pentecostalism. Um, mm. That's a bit of a change, isn't it? Uh, how did you end up from Pentecostalism yeah. into Anglicanism? Yeah, I mean, it was a long journey, as as many journeys are um, in terms of transitions. But uh, I guess the journey really started when when we moved. I was newly married in the 1991. My wife and I moved to Regent College to study okay. out in yeah. Vancouver. 
And uh, part of the things that when you started at Regent, you got assigned a faculty advisor. Mm. I think that's still pretty common. Yeah. Um, and my faculty advisor was a fellow named Michael Green. Mm. And uh, one of the questions, just as he was getting to know me, was, have you found a local church yet? And I said, well, we just moved here and we're still looking. And, yeah. and in the tradition that we were raised, there really wasn't anything, um, a, a local church that was close to where we were living in Vancouver. There was yeah. some in various parts of the lower mainland, and so I said, no. And so Michael, um, who is, uh, well, he, he died a couple of years ago mm. now, uh, but at the time he was uh, an associate priest uh, of a little Anglican church in Vancouver. And he okay. said, well, why don't you come come to Holy Trinity this Sunday and I'm be preaching and presiding. Mm. And and I kind of said, well, well, I'll think about that. And I went home that, that evening and told my yeah. wife, and I said, Michael invited us to an Anglican service. In my mind, Anglicans were a mission field. They, they right. didn't yeah, worship yeah. with them. Like you, they were a mission field. But my wife, who used to live in England before we were married, um, she had worshipped uh, in an Anglican church, of okay. course, in England. And she thought that was a great idea. And so mm. we went that Sunday, um, me quite reluctantly, Darlene a little bit more enthusiastically. Yeah. And at the end of the service, as we were walking out, Emily, or that's my daughter, Emily, Darlene, my wife, said, what did you think? Mm. And, and I said, it felt like I've come home. Hmm. And so that was the beginning of the journey, 1991. Wow. And it's been a long, but people like Michael and some other Anglicans at Regent uh, uh, that I came to know, like J.I. Packer, yeah. um, who is also a, an Anglican priest and a teacher of theology there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was kind of so, long So journey. what was it like when that made it feel like home mm -hmm. for you? I, I mean, on the one hand, I, I never felt like I had to uh, laid down any theology I had. I right. mean, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Pentecostal distinctive and emphasis on the Holy Spirit seemed to be just as robust. Mm -hmm. Certainly it was in the lives of people like Michael Green right. um, and J.I. Packer and, and others. So, so in, and in terms of the theology, like just the, the, the invitation to the Holy Spirit and, and the life of the Spirit in, in, in the believer's uh, daily life was just there. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I didn't feel like I had to I had to lay anything down. I had to pick up mm. some things okay. becoming Anglican, but I didn't have to lay down right. any theology. But I had to pick I, up a lot of books. Had to yeah, pick so. up some books. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit more. <laughs> Anglicans are a bit more bookish, maybe than than uh, than the Pentecostals. But but the right. but the theology itself was. I mean, even the liturgy. Uh, it was as, as J. I. Packer. I remember once described it to me. He said, uh, "Our our liturgy, the 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 order of services that we use, is just scripture put to worship." And mm. I was familiar with scripture. Yeah. Uh, the Pentecostal tradition. So you could kind of yeah. begin to say, oh, that's that's from Paul's letter to the two, to two Corinthians as we start the service, right. and this and that. So it's, it was it's, able to make those it's connections. It's 2 Corinthians. It's not 2 Corinthians. <laughs> <laughs> you must be from Regent. Very <laughs> <laughs> bad habit. Bad habit. All right. So uh, let's, speaking of Regent, let's talk uh, about your educational background just a little sure. bit. Um, yeah. You did an undergrad at the University of Regina. Yeah. Then went off to Regent for your master's in theology. Yeah. I, I actually, I did two degrees while I was at Regent. I okay. did an MDiv, yeah. um, which is 
kind of the standard yeah. degree for people going into pastoral region, ministry. That's a three year that yeah, you was do in three four years. years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I found region intense yeah, for me. Totally. Yeah, totally. Uh, academically, I was not the strongest student um, in high school or even at university. I, I, I had to enter university on probation. I had done, oh, wow. Okay. I, I was not a great student in high school. And um, so I, I didn't come uh, well read mm. to Regent. And so mm. Regent was a stretch. So yeah, it, it took me four years to do my MDiv. And then I did one uh, one year in addition to that, uh, where I did uh, THM, which is a thesis. Um, and, and that was with uh, a person who became almost like another father to me. His name was Gordon Fee. And oh, he yes, was my Gordon. supervisor. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he supervised my... my Good my, Pentecostal uh, theologian. He was. Yeah. 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 He, he's... Uh, in many ways, I think I think people referred to him as the doyen of Pentecostal theologians. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so in many ways, I mean, although I, I bumped into Anglicanism at Regent, uh, I also was returning to my roots through the relationships with people like Gordon. Yeah. And then yeah. I had another spiritual father who also grew up Pentecostal yeah. as well. So, yeah. so when you're finished at Regent, then you jumped across the pond. Yes, uh, not immediately. Not but yeah. not immediately. Okay. No. And you ended up at Durham University mm-hmm. and St. John's College. Yeah. Um, and what was your uh, work there? You you did your doctorate there. Yeah. So a- after Regent, I, I taught for a number of years. First, mm. at a university in Lithuania, actually, a Christian liberal wow. arts university yeah, yeah, yeah. in Lithuania. Shortly after the the uh, Lithuania became independent from the Soviet Union, and uh, well, that would have been interesting. It was a fascinating time to be in a very very early days, post-Soviet days in Lithuania. But I taught at a at a Christian university there that was an English speaking university. Mm which was fascinating. Um, and then after teaching there for about three years, returned to yeah. to uh, uh, Saskatchewan to teach at a, s- a small Pentecostal college. And then in 2005, our family, uh, uh, myself and our three fairly young children at the time, we moved to Durham yeah. uh, and I did my PhD uh, at, at Durham University. It, it, Durham, like Oxford and Cambridge, you have to be part of a college, yeah. be part of the university. And so my okay. college was St. John's. Yeah. And uh, my supervisor was a wonderful, is a wonderful man named John Barkley, mm-hmm. um, and studied with him uh, on Paul and Josephus and the early Roman Empire. So yeah, it was really so good. That was the focus of your doctoral work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was looking at divine and imperial power in the letters of Paul and uh, the writings of Josephus. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's another podcast for another time, <laughs> man. Um, so. Your education and your work today, uh, what's the interrelationship? How did your education inform hmm. the work that you're doing today? Hmm. Well, uh, obviously, all uh, the my undergrad was in English literature and history. And and, and it was interestingly at, at in undergraduate that I, I just became uh, introduced to poetry. And in particular, I was introduced to the poetry of George Herbert, hmm. um, who I didn't, I'd never heard of anything of his, but his poetry continues it's uh, one of the things that I turn to almost every week, Monday mornings, reading wow. poetry okay. is what gets me out of uh, sometimes a Monday morning funk. Yes. Uh, I read poetry. The Monday blues for yep. all pastors. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I remember I used to take Mondays off, and uh, but I was so grumpy on Mondays, my, my wife said, you know, give that back to the church. They took it out of you. <laughs> and so, but I thought, how do I get out of this funk? And a friend said, well, why don't you try reading poetry? And so that's what I do huh. most Monday mornings for about an hour to kind of 
refill my tank after Sunday's services and I read poetry. Uh, so that that's in many ways connected directly to my undergrad yeah, where yeah, I was yeah. exposed to the and poetry. And I suppose, you know, we'll talk about liturgy yeah. more, but the connection with liturgy oh, as well. Oh, it's and, poetic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then of course, from then on my, my, my graduate work, both masters and, and doctoral level. I mean, it was, hmm. it, it, you know, it was, it was deep dive into scripture and, and the, in the context and the historical context of right. scripture. So yeah. that's, that's our yeah. world, right? Uh, scripture. Well, you're a parish priest, but you're still writing. You're still reading, mm-hmm. a prolific reader. Um, you just recently written a commentary, is that right? Yeah, it was published in, I guess, 2019, so maybe not not so recent anymore. Uh, but yeah, that was that was sort of the the biggest piece of work I I, I did while I was I, while I've been a parish priest, uh, and I write shorter pieces. I contribute to. For example, the uh, recent dictionary, Paul and his letters, the mm-hmm. IVP dictionary that just came out, okay. uh, yeah. uh, a chapter in a book for John Barclay um, on Paul and Grace. I contributed a chapter on uh, Paul, friendship, and ministry. So you're writing Zondervan, InterVarsity. They, they let Anglicans write for them? That- <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. They, they request Anglicans. No. Yeah, so Zondervan, uh, InterVarsity, uh, Erdman's, um, Baker. Yeah. Um, those have kind of been some of the... Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to get you mm. in today is I want to talk about Advent. Oh, great. Um, yeah. And you're we, wearing blue. You're, you're appropriately... You're, you're color-coded right already for Advent. Oh, I did not know that. I thought I was just wearing a Briarcrest sweatshirt. <laughs> um, so we've kind of set this podcast intentionally mm. to release the week before Advent starts. Yeah. And I know not every tradition uh, follows Advent closely. Some follow it, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, religiously, yeah. if I yep. could say yeah, that, yeah. Like, sure. follow the whole church calendar throughout yep. the year. Yeah. Some churches um, kind of dabble a bit in it yeah. during Advent or Lent. They, yep. they, um, they follow the calendar. Sure. Um, but I want to talk about it and, and just yeah. help people understand it a little bit more, maybe those who don't among our listeners. So sure. yeah, help us understand, what, what is Advent? Well, Advent is uh, actually one of the one of the seasons in in the church year, and 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 obviously all of us mark time one way or another. Yeah, um, we all of us follow calendars uh, that we just do, uh, um, and so one of the interesting things that obviously the people of God have been doing for for millennia, mm-hmm. right, going back to the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, uh, so the 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 Israelites they were given feasts to follow. Yeah. Uh, Passover uh, obviously um, uh, was a significant one. Then um, things like the Feast of Booths and and atonements and and various yeah. feasts throughout the year. Yeah. And the Christians then when when they like obviously the early. First Church Christians were mostly were Jewish, Jewish yeah. and so they they followed Passover. They followed um, Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were these were um, Jewish feasts, and so they, but they began to s- center that around the life of Jesus, of course, and so they just built the the church here upon the feasts of of the Jewish tradition, mm-hmm. and then and then as the Christian tradition continued, they they continued to to shape that but the church year is a year that's focused uh it's got it's got seven seasons mm-hmm. um in it 
and it's and it begins with Advent. Advent is the beginning of the church year, mm. um, which is always four Sundays prior to Christmas Day. Okay, uh, that's so. That, so it changes. It's not the same date, uh, uh, but it changes year to year what date it is. But it's four Sundays before mm. um, Christmas Day. But it's the beginning of the church year, and the first half of the church year has to do with telling the life of Jesus. Yeah. Um, so from Advent. To, to Pentecost Sunday is telling the story of Jesus. Yeah. And then from Pentecost Sunday, that's roughly that second half of the year, um, that tells the story of the life of Jesus being lived in the church. Mm. Um, but Advent kicks off the year and it, it just the name uh, Advent, it's Latin, mm -hmm. uh, which a lot of the names that we have for things are, are based on the Western tradition, Latin language. And Advent just means ad and veni, uh, it just means to come. And so Advent refers, um, on the one hand, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a bit of a look back to yeah. remembering the first coming, yeah. but really it's emphasis is anticipating the second coming, mm. Jesus come. And so one of the, the predominant um, uh, themes is that, is that cry, that, that sense of waiting and anticipation, Jesus come again. Mm. And one of the great anthems, the great carols of Advent is one that's sung not just in Anglican churches, but yeah. in a lot of churches will sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, yeah. Yeah. Which, is, which is actually, it's almost like a mini season within Advent, but these uh, O Come, O Come uh, is part of this O Antiphons that are sung seven days before Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it's this anticipation. If you wouldn't mind, I'd yeah. love to read this, uh, this quote from an, another Anglican priest. What's who, his name? His name is Malcolm Geit. Okay. Malcolm Geit. He's, uh, I think he's the world's only living hobbit, at least the only one I've met. Uh, Are but you he's, saying he's, he's short in stature? He's, he's hobbit-like. I've not seen his feet, but I think, I think if we took off his shoes, he would have hairy feet. But he is just a wonderful, he's a poet and a priest. Yeah. He's retired now, uh, but he was uh, a chaplain at Girton College in mm. Cambridge. But he did his PhD at Durham as well, at St. John's okay. College. So I've known him for a, a while, but he's a wonderful poet uh, and just an enthusiastic learned, vibrant person, mm. as he mm. said, he's, but he's hobbit-like. But he describes, uh, this is in a, in a wonderful series of books called The Pilgrim Year. It's, uh, okay. Steve Bell puts it together, but he collaborates Steve a lot Bell's with Steve Bell's an Anglican. Steve Bell is Amazing. an Anglican. Amazing, right. Another one, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're like weeds in the garden, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so this is a we'll quote. We'll have to put a link to this. On yeah, the, on yeah, it's great. It's a, it's yeah, a yeah. wonderful introduction. This He's got seven booklets that kind of walk through the church here, and obviously uh, Advent is the first uh, color-coded because the theme color for Advent is uh, blue. is dark blue. Okay. Uh, but he uh, quotes Malcolm Geit um, uh, early on in the book, and, he, and Malcolm uh, writes this. He says, Advent, a holy season in which we connect again with our inconsolable longing, mm. as C.S. Lewis called it, our yearning for the one who is to come and is also mysteriously the one who has come already, come as child, come as fellow sufferer, come as savior, and yet whose coming, already achieved, we hold at bay from ourselves so that we have to learn afresh each year, even each day, how to let him come to us again. Mm. I think that's a great, it's great, yeah. rich. Yeah, it is. He's rich. wonderful. Malcolm Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what does Advent look like in, in your local church? Do you guys like, mm -hmm. you know, get like, 
um, Santa Claus outfits and lots of reindeer <laughs> and uh, piles of gifts and uh, really decorate yeah, things yeah. out. And well, uh, well, add yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, we no um, play play Christmas carols by Wham. Yes, and yes, and no, yes and no. Well, it, like so, Advent is not. There is a season for Christmas, um, the twelve days of Christmas. Yeah, that, that's uh, a thing. Okay. But uh, Christmas begins uh, a Christmas Eve, and Advent is not Christmas. So in Advent, as what? I said, no, I what? Know. It's come the on, twelve days after Christmas oh, Day. Oh man, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I I never knew that growing up, you know, because everybody's heard the the you know on the first, first day, day of Christmas. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but you, I, I never really I knew what was it was. December thirteenth. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, from Christmas <laughs> Eve forward to Epiphany Sunday or, or Epiphany Day on the. January the 6th, but you've got this 12 days of Christmas, but Advent, Advent is a, is a season, as I said, of preparation, of longing, of anticipation. So in, in, in most, um, in Anglican church buildings of worship, uh, and in other traditions, Roman Catholic, Lutheran, Presbyterian, uh, as well, Advent is a season where things are stripped back. And so Mm -hmm. the color, the dark colors are kind of part of that, that, that sense of we're, we're living in darkness. Mm. We are waiting for a light to come. It's a midnight sky. Yeah. The midnight sky color. That's, that's why the dark blue is, I think, associated with it. Mm. So the building itself is, is actually quite stripped. It's quite bare. Mm. And, and then the four Sundays we light an Advent candle. That's right. To each Sunday you, you light another candle as part of peace joy and faith faith yeah. yeah and so so they're anticipatory uh mm. so the you're you're longing for and they all light have a different to color come. too right? yeah uh the first two are are are, are dark blue and yeah. then the third sunday of advent is is rose or pink mm-hmm. uh because that's almost like a mini moment of joy uh, okay. in the because it tends to be like a lentish almost season it's where like the colors f- of dawn the sun yeah. just first rising yeah but that third sunday is known as gaudete sunday which means let us rejoice and it's kind of sunday is always a feast day so mm. you might be fasting through advent mm. but sundays are always feast days wow. and so uh, each sunday you'll you'll light a successive candle uh until you build in the anticipation and then Christmas Eve, then when you show up for Christmas Eve, the building now is transformed mm, mm. Uh, with color. Yeah. So whites and golds and flowers and decoration, the greening of the building. Yeah. And so that, and then for 12 days, then we begin singing the Christmas carols for those mm. 12 days of Christmas. But prior to that, it's Advent carols, like the, yeah. big, the big one, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is sung yeah. almost every Sunday. Yeah. You know, in our church, uh, Crosspoint, that I planted, hmm. um, we started incorporating Advent into our calendar as well as Lent, and then hmm. more more of the practices that were associated with the church calendar. Yeah. Um, prior to that, I mean, much of my uh, Christian experience as, as a pastor has been kind of like the four-week Christmas series, mm. you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and you might look at the characters of Christmas or whatnot, sure. or you might do something like really crazy, like let's talk about consumerism and, yeah. uh, you know, and yeah. do, do a thing like Which that. Which is a season, you know, like the Christmas season. It is a season, In, yeah, in yeah. our culture yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is a season. Yeah. But, but yeah. what we didn't often talk about is the second coming of Christ, the return huh. of Christ, huh. you know? And, and I, and I, Truth be told, like when I, when I was first a believer in Christ, like back in the mm. '90s, I I grew up in the Pentecostal tradition. Yeah, yeah. I think it was largely like dispensational in its theology and whatnot. Yeah. And um, like the Left Behind series had just been published, right? So like yeah. churches were preaching about the second coming of Jesus a lot, yeah. um, you know, and you know a different theology than maybe what I would I would uh, sure. uh, subscribe to today. But 
what's interesting, what I found since then, like, um, and I don't know if, if we've reacted against it, hmm. but I very rarely hear uh, people talk about the return of Christ. Wow. Like we talk a lot about the cross yeah. and uh, we will talk about the, you know, the, um, the resurrection as well. Um, uh, but not so much the glorification and not the return mm. of Christ. And I don't, that's, it's yeah. fascinating to me. And I, and I think um, having done Advent in our local mm. context um, and preaching about the return of Christ for like four weeks in different yeah. nuances yeah, yeah. and different ways yeah. and different expressions um, of his first coming and his second coming, yeah. I found a richness in my understanding of faith in a, yeah. in a different way. And, and it was yeah. just seemed, but it seemed so counterintuitive. Yeah. To talk about huh. the return of Jesus at Christmas, it's yeah, like, isn't it a baby in a manger? Like, yeah. isn't that what it's yeah. all about? Yeah, um, no. Well, yeah, in the church tradition, it's not. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah. There's, there's, there's this sense of yes, he has come, come. Yeah. But Advent to come, he's going to going to come again. Yeah. And so, yeah, all of the lessons that we will hear in in. in so we hear a lot of scripture every Sunday being read, mm-hmm. a lesson from the Old Testament, a lesson from an epistle, a lesson from the gospel, a yeah. psalm, uh, and all of those readings in Advent, the four Sundays, they are all anticipatory readings, mm-hmm. uh, anticipating uh, the coming again of Jesus, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is again with the, with that wonderful um, hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It was actually part of a, a, a mini season within mm-hmm. um, Advent. So from the 17th of December yeah. until the 23rd of December, uh, the the monks in monasteries or people in cathedrals or just local churches singing Evensong every evening for those mm. seven days, mm. They, when they came to the, in, in their evening prayer, they would sing it. And they, when they would sing the Magnificat, the the, the song of Mary, yeah. um, that wonderful response of Mary to the yeah. initial annunciation that she would be with child, um, when they would, on either side of it, they would sing a verse of that O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Mm. And they would sing in Latin uh, a, a verse antiphonally on either side of, of, of Mary's song at evening prayer every day. Mm. And, and it was seven... Um, titles each so if you sing if you're familiar with O Come O Come Emmanuel you'll you'll be familiar with the titles of Jesus yeah. without ever mentioning the name Jesus hmm. they are all titles most of them come from Isaiah yeah, yeah. Um, but they are if you didn't know Jesus by name uh, what would you be looking for right. um, is yeah, sort of essentially yeah, yeah. what 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 they're asking and so each sort of this plaintive hymn they they pick up each one of these titles and so they're in Latin it's, it's a beautiful little um, with as I said season within the season but each one of these verses to O come O come Emmanuel the first verse is O sapientia O wisdom okay, um, yeah, coming yeah. and then the, and so it's this cry O wisdom come again and then the second antiphon on the next day on the 18th is O Adonai mm. O Lord of yeah. Israel yeah. and then the third one O Radex of Jesse O Root of Jesse and then the fourth day of the antiphon O Clavis O Key of David mm. and then the fifth one right the turn of it yeah. now it begins to turn to light O Orient O Morning Star mm. um, and then the, the second from the last one O Rex Gentium O King of the Nations Mm. And then the last one is the one that we know most familiar, 
is O Emmanuel. But what was so interesting about, then they build in these kind of yeah, wonderful yeah. stories even within the story. And if you take each one of those, uh, the, the, mm. the first letter of each one of those titles in Latin yeah. and then read it backwards. So you're right on the eve of celebrating Christmas, the first coming, but anticipating the second coming. But if you take the, the it makes an ellip, uh, um an acrostic, the titles of those of those uh, of those That's titles, amazing. Yeah. and so you read it backwards. You look back on those titles. You're looking back into the Old Testament, and and it makes an acrostic uh, in Latin, which is E R O, which and then another word, crass, and ero crass in Latin means tomorrow I come. Wow, and it just it kind of yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah, yeah it, like yeah. it's talk about preparing you yeah yeah, um, yeah. and it's beautiful it's yeah. one of these beautiful mini seasons within the but season you, but you have to like if for the common person who's just walking mm. into it and who's there yeah. they won't catch that they won't no, catch the richness so I mean your job yeah. must be to really to bring that out and to explain yeah. it and show show yeah. them how Which this is, rich tradition has yeah. intentionally for for millennia yeah. been. Yeah preparing people yeah. for this season. Well, it's a, it, the church year as a whole is just such a wonderful discipleship tool. Mm. I, and that's what it is. It's a, it's a vehicle to convey the truth of the gospel. Mm. And and it, so it's telling the story of Jesus, anticipating his, his coming, uh, telling about his coming, telling about um, his uh, revelation to the world in Epiphany, then talking, preparing for his his passion, his cross um, mm. in Lent, and then in Holy Week, of course, the climax of the church year in Holy Week, and climaxing with with uh, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Resurrection Sunday, mm. and then and then a season of <coughs> Easter, a forty day Caesar mm. season of Easter, and then Ascension, uh, a mini season of ten days, and then Pentecost, the Spirit's coming. Wow. Um, it's when 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 we started having children before we were Anglican, um, you know, a lot of evangelicals we, we ask, how are we going to teach the faith to our kids? How do you do devotions with yeah. your children? Which is always, I don't know about you, but uh, that was always a tricky thing. Like how, how to engage family devotions oh, at dinner. Like yeah, and it was like, oh, how do you keep it engaging? And yeah. and one of our friends gave us a book that she had written. Uh, again, a te- uh, one of the professors at Regent, his wife. Martha Zimmerman had wrote this mm. wonderful book. She, they're Presbyterian, but she wrote a book called Celebrating the Christian Year. It's mm. out of print now, but I think you can get copies of it. It was particularly for families celebrating um, the Christian year with their children. And it had all kinds of ways of engaging children with the story of faith, mm. um, beginning with Advent. Um, but it allowed them to engage these things that are actually part of the culture, but the culture has secularized and it's actually almost reclaiming the mm. things that have been taken over by the culture yeah. um, to make them, they're actually our story. And we're gonna bring that back and actually use it and then use it year by year to allow our children and ourselves to go deeper and deeper into the story. Because there's just like any time, if you've just read the Bible once and go, oh, I don't have to read that again. I mean, of course <laughs> you wouldn't do that. Um, but it, you, you yeah. every time you read it and every time you live into the story, you, you, you come, you're coming to a different place in the story than you were maybe last year uh, with different experience. And yeah, so it's you're a, in a different place in your own absolutely. story. And so and you're your gonna see it with different are, lenses. Yeah. Absolutely, Absolutely, yeah. so it's a tool. Mm. And that's one of the, I think the gifts that you kind of go, well, now I didn't have to be, learn, well, what are we gonna do for devotions now with our children? It's just like, no, we're gonna follow the church year. And and so one of the great things actually about, you said Santa Claus, mm-hmm. um, one of the, the things, cause you go, wow, you know, in Advent, it, it's, it's kind of stripped back, and it's you're, yeah. you're holding back on, on, on you're, you're keeping that anticipatory 
aspect for Christmas, the 12 yeah. days of Christmas. So what are you going to do? What about Santa? Where does that fit in it, right? And you're like, oh, God, do our, kid, do our, our kids have to, you know, they don't get Santa Claus anymore? What's going on there? But one of the wonderful things that early on in Advent is um, St. Nicholas Day, because Santa Claus is based on the story of a bishop, yeah. St. Okay. Nicholas, um, Santa Claus, Santa Nicholas, okay. right? Yeah. And so on, on December on December the 6th uh, is St. Nicholas Day. So on St. Nicholas Day, my wife in Advent would pull out all of the, all of the Santa Claus stuff, the decorations, the, the stockings, which yeah. is associated with the Santa Claus story in Christian tradition. Hmm. And so we, the kids would get all the Santa Claus stuff on, on St. Nicholas Day, and and then and then we'd put that away, and we're back to Advent. Back to darkness. Uh, but yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> sorry, and, kids. Yeah, yeah, enjoy that candy today, because no. Uh, but it, but it, but it was a way of saying, okay, this is how it fits within the Christian story. Yeah. Rather than letting just the culture steamroll us yeah, with yeah. consumerism and using that just to get us to buy stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's I think what the Christian year does is it gives us a time markers and and we mark time one way or another and and if you don't mark it as a christian and following the christian year well i mean actually the the calendar yeah. is like January, your church, your church calendar is going to be overrun by Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl Mother's Day, Father's Day, <laughs> yep. um, Canada Day, or if you're in the states, yep. uh, you know, Thanksgiving, July Fourth, yeah. yeah, all these other things, yeah. which are and not... even even the even the days of the week and the and the and the months are named often after after gods, not Christian gods. Yeah, for sure. Janus yeah. uh, was the Roman god of yeah, the doorway. It's, it's a syncretistic uh, calendar. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah. You're, you're, we're, we have to follow it in some degree. But on the other hand, yeah. what, what the following the Christian year calendar for me goes, actually, I'm, I'm following an intentionally Christ-like. Well, Dean, you know, some of our listeners might say, <laughs> they might push back a little bit. And sure, they say, okay, well, isn't Advent really like traditional? And, and aren't traditions like Advent mm. or liturgies yeah. kind of the remnants of a dead religion? You know, like, a, how, how do you respond yeah. to that? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the reality is, we we will have traditions, um, whether we whether we almost want to have them or not. Like yeah. you, you start every every church I've ever known, they have traditions. Mm -hmm. So coming December, they will have. You're going to have a tradition because well, that's what we do in our church. That's the I mean, Sunday we take down the pumpkins. Yeah, where two or three are gathered together yeah. for three or four months. Pretty soon they will have traditions of how they do their service, what they do yearly. And so you can either have a tradition that is, I think, that's well thought out, that's curated, that's been um, actually theologically deeply reflected on, or it'll just happen. And then you've got a, it's like building a barn in a windstorm. You're, you're all of a sudden, you're trying to slap things together and trying to make sense mm. of it. Mm. Um, so you're going to have a tradition. Um, it's like, but have a good one. Yeah. Um, and I, I do appreciate the, the traditions of the church. And they become, certainly for me and our family and many people that I know, alive mm -hmm. uh, traditions. Mm. But you will have traditions, whether you, whether you want to intentionally or unintentionally, they'll happen. Um, and but it's like, are they good ones? Are yeah. they are they Christ centered? Mm -hmm. um, are they are they theologically framed in helpful ways? Yeah. Uh, are they going to deepen your faith? So you're going to have so you have to ask those questions. Uh, we you have traditions. I mean, even evangelical churches they will celebrate Christmas. Well, why? 
That's a um, calendar. That's event. Yeah, yeah. like like it's Christmas like, Eve. Like, why do you do that? Yeah. Um, and why do you set, like? I remember growing up, we had um, watch night services on the thirty first, right, for January first, and I'm like, now I go. January, like that's again, that's a, the God of Janus. Right, uh, right. Not, I'd rather Advent. I want to focus on Jesus, not on the God of the doorway. Yes. Um, so, so you're going to have traditions and liturgy too. Same thing. Like, like everybody says, are you are a liturgical church or are you non-liturgical? And I'm like. Everybody's got a liturgy. Every church has a liturgy. Yeah, <laughs> Every, yeah. we um, evangelicals have implied liturgies. Absolutely. Yeah. Three fast songs, two slow songs. Yeah. Put the put the announcement somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. Pre- preach for 30, 40 minutes, closing yeah. song. Absolutely. Yeah. So you have a liturgy. Maybe it's not written down, yeah. but it's there. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not saying that's bad or, or good, but everybody has liturgy. Yeah. Um, um, we have a liturgy. We have prayer books. Um, again, um, there, there's flexibility with them. There's there's diversity throughout the year, depending on the time of the year too, mm-hmm, the church mm-hmm. season. Um, but uh, the liturgy, as as my professor, uh, an Anglican priest himself, uh, Packer, J.I. Packer used to say, the, the, the Anglican liturgy is scripture put to worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's put together for worship really thoughtfully. Yeah. And so I appreciate it. So and, I don't and, know. I mean, there's the, the, the saying, well, well-worn saying, you know, is that Tradition is the living faith of the dead, and traditionalism yeah. is the dead faith of the living. Yeah. Right. And we're we're talking the difference between tradition versus traditionalism. Yeah, right? that's right. And 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 for our listeners who aren't in the yeah. room here, uh, Dean is almost levitating off his chair as he's talking about liturgy and Advent, and he's and he's glowing. So it it does seem to be a little living uh, yeah. here in the room. So. Right. Um, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, because it's about the gospel. Yeah, like, like that's at the well, end. Hold of the on, day. hold on. <laughs> Anglicans believe the gospel. Do you believe the gospel, well, well, Dean? This this Anglican does. <laughs> I, I I I think I believe in the gospel. Yeah, I'm a, I, obviously uh, I believe in the gospel. I think a lot of obviously <laughs> dead Anglicans that uh, that I've at least read believed in the gospel. Dead Anglicans like oh George Herbert, for example, or uh, some other dead Anglicans like Christina Rossetti or John Donne or C.S. Lewis oh, what? or J.I. Packer or John Stott or Michael Green. They believed in the gospel and then uh, obviously some of the living anglicans that i know i certainly know that they are gospel centered like the anglican priest nicky gumble um who started something called alpha what? ministries yeah isn't that uh, isn't that like <laughs> led like millions of people to christ like, yeah amazingly uh, wow. yeah the gospel okay. yeah. story there or um another my bishop in durham who confirmed me and uh who discerned that i might be a, an okay priest uh Tom Wright, Tom um, Wright, uh, N.T. Wright. Tommy, uh, he, Tom's a good guy, and he believes yeah. in the gospel. And yeah, as Scott McKnight, my editor for my for my commentary, is an Anglican priest as well. Oh, is he? He is. I thought he was like a Baptist. I didn't He's know he was Anglican, Anglican priest. Oh, He's okay. an Anglican priest now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, and uh, yeah. he has a lot to say about the gospel, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, do yeah. you believe a truncated gospel, or do you <laughs> believe in a much broader, richer gospel? Oh, I, well, I, I came prepared because I I, I want to quote good people, but I love I love this quote uh, yeah. by Tim Keller. Uh, his description of the gospel. And this is, I just, I couldn't say it better. So I'll Mm -hmm. just quote Tim Keller because I think this says it so well. He says, the gospel is that I'm so sinful that Jesus had to die for me, yet so loved that Jesus was glad to die for Mm -hmm. me. 
This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. I can't feel superior to anyone, and yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I, I think that's a great yeah. definition of the gospel. Yeah. yeah, so good. Yeah, Tim Keller is a gift to us all. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the the word evangelical, um, it's kind of lost its meaning mm. in our cultural conversations. Actually, I taught a whole class yesterday uh, with my my uh, first years on evangelicalism and mm. Um, mm. its history, what it. What, what is real evangelicalism versus um, political evangelicalism yeah. that we've seen since rising, um, particularly in the West since mm. the 40s um, and into the 70s and onwards. Um, mm. But it carries, you know, it can carry political baggage. It's um, especially south of the border, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so people are afraid to use it. Like if I'm on an airplane and, and, and people are like, what yeah. do you do? I'm like, yeah. I'm a pastor. Like, oh, can you have kids? Yeah, I mean, yeah I'm, I'm married. I've got kids, <laughs> you know? And then the next question is, are you an evangelical? How do I answer that, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, because it just, it means so many different things and it's got, you know, yeah. a lot of weight to it. And so yeah. my response always is, well, I don't know. What do you think an evangelical is? Right? Yeah, yeah. But so, so it's it's a it's one of those terms that can mean so many things to so many different people. Sure. Um, but I want to take you for a test drive today. Test drive, uh, Father okay. Dean. Uh, are you an evangelical? Um, and the question is, what is an evangelical? So, yeah. I'm going to use the standard form of evangelicalism that's mm. often used, which is Bebbington's quadrilateral. Yeah. Um, and Bebbington, of course, was a was a was a historian, studied uh, evangelicalism, and um, it's not a perfect test, sure. but it's probably the better one that's out there yeah. in terms yeah. of, you know, are you part of this long lineage of evangelicalism uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to that? So, the quadrilateral. If for our listeners who aren't familiar with it, um, and I, and I hope you will get familiar with it. I hope mm -hmm. you'll like write it down and uh, and and use mm -hmm. it often to talk mm -hmm. about what is evangelical. So for four key categories one is biblicism yeah. so this the authority and the centrality of the role of scripture yeah. the bible as we know it in our in our faith lives uh, crucicentrism so yeah. the substitutionary work of christ on the cross is 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 a central part of our faith conversionism so yeah. This idea that it's not just uh, cultural Christianity that we ascribe mm -hmm. to, but it's something that we ourselves personally receive through yeah. faith and surrender yeah. in Christ. And then activism, and I, and I, more particularly, I think what that has to do is the proclamation of yeah. the gospel, right? Yeah. So not just doing good deeds, but actually yeah. uh, sharing the yeah. good news yeah. of Christ. So yeah. um, how are you doing on all, all four there? Yeah, I mean, easy to be comfortable with, with, with those things. I mean... Any definition is is going to be limited, and anytime yeah. you're you're asked, "Are you an evangelical?" It's a that's a, actually a good way to say, well, "What do you think evangelical means?" Or yeah. what do you think that yeah. means? Um, but yeah, Bevington, uh, I think I think has hit hit a number of really good points, and absolutely, I'd be comfortable with uh, being called an evangelical if it means that. It obviously can mean a lot more. I mean, yeah. it's a biblical word, fundamentally. Right. At the end of the right. day, evangelical, euangelion, this is Jesus proclaimed the good news, the euangelion. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a word of Jesus um, that, that he uses this good news that, yes, I've come, um, Advent, I have come yeah. Um, yeah. To, to set the captives free, as in Luke for right this is this is what Jesus has, has come to declare and and his apostles and then everyone who has followed in that 
tradition, yeah. that faith um, still proclaims. So yeah, yeah, I'm an evangelical, but but it's also, it's one of those things, when I, when I was a uh, chaplain in, in Lithuania, yeah. um, which again, most of the students grew up post, uh, in a Soviet system, yeah. right? And so, but I was their chaplain. And so most of my students were non-Christian hmm. and they were raised in Soviet atheism. Wow. And so when I would introduce myself to them, um, you know, hi, I'm Dean, I'm your chaplain. Um, just wanted to introduce myself. I would go around the door and knock on doors. Yeah, yeah. We had a dorm and I could do that because I was a chaplain. I would just knock on the door, introduce myself. And oftentimes people would say, well, I just want you to know, I don't believe in God. Hmm. And and I would, uh, uh, and at first I didn't know how to, you know, where do I go with this? I don't yeah. believe in God. Okay, well, next room. Um, but very quickly I, I learned to actually ask a good question, which opened up the conversation, hmm. which was, which God don't you believe in? Hmm. Hmm. And and then they said, well, I don't believe in the God who kind of wound up the universe and yeah. started going yeah. and then yeah. and then somehow was out there uh, uh, disengaged so or whatever. Deism. Yeah. And yeah. I would go, well, I don't believe in that God either, hmm. but can I tell you the God I do believe in hmm. revealed in Jesus Christ? And so all of a sudden the conversation opened up. So maybe the same with evangelical. What, yeah. what do you yeah. think evangelicalism means? And if yeah. they say, well, it means... X, Y, Z, yeah. and maybe a lot of things politically, then you can say, well, um, that's that's not how Jesus mm. and and not how the best followers of the gospel, yeah. the, 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 the evangelical story yeah. um, define it. Can yeah. I tell you how Jesus defines it? Mm. Yeah, good. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think there are some who would say we should just get rid of the term yeah. altogether, right? Yeah. But I, I wanna mm. quote, Good Tom Wright. Uh, I listened to one podcast of him. Huh. He says, "Well, it's just it's just too good a word to give up. Yeah, like, yeah. There's no better word that actually describes yeah. it, even though it's been yeah co-opted. Yeah, yeah, co-opted really, yeah. and and very much by I think Western mm. um, culture and uh, mm. a lot of them are just pundits like ex yeah. exit polls. They want a simplified, yeah. oversimplified version yeah. of evangelicalism, and they're hitting people as they're walking yeah. out of the you know." Yeah, pollsters and whatnot. So, anyway, well, I'm glad you're 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 an evangelical evangelical. Mm -hmm. Which how do we say it? I say evangelical. Okay, if you would, you're from you say, Regent, do you right? say it's like do you say amen or amen? Uh, depends where I am. Oh, see, yeah. I say amen. You say amen. I do. Okay, but, uh, you're so high I church. No, Come I on. don't think so. I, I, <laughs> I, sometimes it's what, what emphasis do you put the syllable right? You know, the emphasis, emphasis on, on the syllable. syllable. Yeah. Yes, potato, so, potato. Yeah. All right, uh, let's talk about St. Aidan. Yeah, sure. Um, I had a chance of, of worshiping with you guys uh, a couple of months ago. I loved it. Great morning. Uh, mm -hmm. I appreciate how you um, make it very accessible to, to newcomers mm -hmm. to Anglicanism. Because mm -hmm. uh, Karen and I were shuffling books and we were just trying to like, get, our, get our hands about this. Like, yeah. like I, I almost wish I had a third arm. Yeah. Uh, it would be, yeah. be fantastic. But yeah. but by the end, I was like, oh, yeah, I can handle this. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's... Um, any system, any new system, sure. you've got to figure it out. Yeah. But um, one of the many things I admire about Anglicanism in general um, mm. is its ability to maintain its traditions. So it's got this yeah. beautiful, rich history of spiritual rhythms and traditions yeah. and liturgy. And yet at the same time, it's, uh, it is so great at contextualizing the gospel mm. in, uh, in, in various different settings. So your church is doing that um, mm. a little bit. So talk mm. to us about that. How would you describe your church's unique mission yeah. or ministry in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan? Yeah. Uh, um, most congregations, I think, try to um, 
have some self-reflection so that they can mm-hmm. answer, you know, what makes you, what's your contribution to the one church in Moose Jaw, yeah. right? Because there's, that, that's, a, that's actually one of the ways I try to get at this too, mm-hmm. is people will often ask me as a minister uh, in Moose Jaw, how many churches are in Moose Jaw? And I'll quite cheekily say, well, there's just one. Right, okay. But we worship in about 35 different locations yeah. on any given Sunday. Yeah. Um, but what do, what do we contribute to the church in Moose Jaw? Um, uh, and again, we've we've put together our vision statement and some of the values that that are really important to us. But mm. we have a we had a wonderful youth minister who's still part of our, our parish. Uh, his name is Luke Johnson, a graduate okay. here of Briarcrest, yeah. yeah. who's a, just a great guy. And I thought he um, described what what for the youth group so that he could boil it down in ways that they could remember. But I mm. thought this was the best way to describe what St. Aidan is trying to do as well. But it came down to three things that every youth member, after a few weeks of being part of the youth group with Luke, could know what youth group was about. Mm. They said, we're going to take God seriously. Um, mm. We're going to take our tradition seriously. And mm. we're going to take each other seriously. Mm. And I thought that was so great. I mean, obviously yeah. it's, we, we, we are, 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 our reason for existing um, as a congregation is to take God seriously, is to share the gospel. Yeah. Um, and we're, we happen to be located um, in a tradition uh, that, that has certain distinctives, and we yeah. try to take that seriously, but we use it as a vehicle to convey the gospel, both mm-hmm. the tradition and even our building itself tells a story. The building architecturally yeah. um, uh, is, was shaped intentionally theologically, intentionally, uh, to tell the story of the gospel. Um, and But we also take ourselves uh, and one another seriously enough that we want to care. And so when, because we're located, our building yeah. where we gather is located um, in, in the downtown core, so to speak. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, we realized that when uh, sort of we were under these COVID regulation rules, yeah. that there was uh, a number of people who just didn't have access to um, food on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And while we had been serving uh, lunch just as part of our post-Sunday service thing, yeah. we would have yeah. lunch and some people would join us whether they were there for the service or not. Um, uh, but we realized people didn't have access to food. And so a number of people in our congregation put together teams and now mm. it's a thing that we do every weekend and mm. we serve lunches to people who need them on the weekends. Wow. Okay. Um, and I think last year our team served about, I don't know, close to 9,000 lunches. Mm. And, mm. And, and so that's been one of the unique contributions that we make in yeah. that way yeah. because of where we're located. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were located, if our, our worship suburbs. space was in the suburbs or yeah. we were in Cairnport, yeah. I, I don't think that would be, you'd have to have a different way yeah. of expressing yeah. where you are. But, but because of where we are, that's one of the unique contributions. But we, as I said, we, we have this beautiful building, this beautiful space. The building isn't the church, but it's where we gather. Yeah. And we use that to tell the story and we use it to feed people mm. and we use it to encourage um, faith and, and share the gospel. Yeah. So I yeah. don't know, is that? Yeah, no, that's great. And, and uh, those you serve in the community um, in that particular area, mm. do some of them find their way into Absol- deeper community with yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. A number of people have come to faith mm. um, and worship with us as as just they're part of our our church now. Yeah, uh, and they and and we love them and and they 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 feel loved. Yeah, and so that's been a beautiful thing. But it's uh, but at the end of the day, there's some people that just because of various reasons, circumstances, uh, a lot of them related to mental health and addiction yeah. issues, yeah. Um, and they they need food, and we and we don't. 
uh, ask ask a reason why you need food, mm-hmm. um, but but they do. And yeah. and uh, boy, if you've ever been hungry um, and you need food, it's sure nice to know that there's somebody feeding you. Yeah, um, and if it's thirty below too. Yeah, yeah. And so we we try to care and we do what we can, but we're just one one part of the church. Mm-hmm. And the church in Moostra does so many amazing things for the community yeah. itself. But yeah, it's it's an outflow of the gospel. It, yeah. It's not, it's that, that's that's one of the byproducts mm. of that evangelical faith, yeah. um, is that activism. That's activism, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's good. So now St. Aidan is uh, mm. a few years back, it was an amalgamation or joining yeah. together of other Anglican yep. congregations, yeah. right? Yeah, so 20 years ago, um, there were, there were um, four Anglican congregations in Moose John, and and I think the reality is was they were all struggling, hmm. and so they they um, uh, amalgamated and formed just the the one parish of Saint Aidan. They renamed, they kept one hmm. of the buildings, um, and then refurbished that, hmm. um, and renamed the congregation and reconsecrated the building uh, as the parish of Saint Aidan, hmm. and uh, yeah, it's uh, I've been. They're uh, going on 12 years, but um, but the congregation in itself, although the building, parts of the building date back to 1905. Wow. Um, the, the, the congregation itself is 20 years old, but the building is 120 years yeah, old or so. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, an, there's another aspect of your mission that uh, you and I had talked about before, mm-hmm. about it making an appeal to a certain specific group of people in the mm-hmm. population. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you talk about that as well? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, we we have a, a mission serving people who need food. But but one of the things, again, I think what you're referring to is just, I mean, the just our space uh, is a is a is a very beautiful space. It's yeah. acoustically mm-hmm. really appealing for musicians. Yeah. It's uh, visually appealing for people who who are in their imaginations get sparked um, by by visual um, art. Yeah. And so the building itself, between the stained glass and just the, its architecture and the acoustics, uh, I think it appeals. Uh, and then the liturgy is quite poetic. Mm-hmm. And so there is mm-hmm. a certain type of people who, who find that all those things in terms of their sensibilities appeal to them. And that's not why they're Christians, because it's no, beautiful. No, no. But it's... Um, the, the gospel is beautiful, and sure. and so one of the unique features of our space is that we try to take advantage of that, and so we try to use that well, right, not right. only just to teach the faith, but to say we're we're in this great space, yeah. and so how do we share that with others? How do we and, and how do we just celebrate yeah. um, beauty, uh, the beauty so, of so holiness? all that? You get a lot of artists, yeah, <laughs> surprise, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's you know, I mean, we have we have farmers and welders and yeah. and uh, you know all kinds of people, but yeah, there's uh, you, even though we're not a huge congregation, we we punch above our weight when it comes to we have a wonderful group of of artists, and we have a, a poet laureate, mm. um, potters, potters, novelists, yeah. uh, visual artists, a couple of filmmakers mm. um, as well. One of them is a former student of mine, but he's just a wonderful um, uh, director yeah. and filmmaker and improvisational dance minds. That's what you do when when so you when come. I come so, in, yeah, I yeah, the yeah, gap. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So no, you're bring the dance. Um, but we do have dancers. We uh, when okay. I do this thing uh, in uh, the the third Sunday of Advent, Gaudete Sunday, the the Rejoice Sunday. I've been doing this thing called Christmas Presents, hmm. and we have had dancers. Okay, uh, we have a we have a number of young um, young 
uh, women in our in our parish who are who are ballet. Uh, they do a whole bunch of okay dance, yeah. but they've done ballet pieces and they're okay. really quite beautiful. Okay. So it's not um, like our traditional Pentecostal background of, of, <laughs> of flags and things like that. It's, well, if you it's would more come for Christmas presents, you could do that. I you could, could do that. I, yeah. I could bust I, it I out. Could see yeah. You bring yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, bring it out. Might yeah. have a drop in attendance for the next week or so. But, uh, <laughs> you never know; it might go up. <laughs> Well, let's get back to Advent, um, and I, I want to bring our time together sure. to a close. But uh, uh, I've asked you if you could give a word of encouragement to our ministry leaders, maybe an Advent mm. blessing. Yeah. Um, before we do that, though, I mean, if people want to get a hold of you or whatnot, or if we want to, sure. you know, can, is, do you have a website we can Yeah, drop? yeah. I mean, it's uh, just www.stadan.com. Uh, Saint Aidan, not Saint Aidens, uh, Saint Aidan dot ca. Uh, but yeah, if you just Google, so Saint Aidan. Let's say that again. Saint Aidens dot ca. Yeah. Okay. S T A I D A N dot ca. Oh, yeah. there's no S on it. No S. Saint Aidan dot ca. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we're located. Phys- we're, we're actually we're technologically challenged. I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> that like we we I don't have. I'm not on social media. You're analog, uh, man. We're analog yeah. in a digital. I like this is my like. I don't. I don't have a. You had a, a phone. shared cell phone forever. Yeah, Darlene you, and I share cell phone. This is my. He's got a pocket watch. My pocket here. watch. That's what I use to tell the time. <laughs> he, this, he he brings ordinary yeah. into ordinary time. Right I do. Here. Yeah. It's very ordinal. Um, but uh, yeah, no. I, like, but we have a website. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we and we're located on the corner of uh, High Street and and First Avenue, right across. The East, street from yeah. uh, the Salvation Army thrift store, yeah, and um, right on, right on High Street in the corner yeah. first there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we have a website, and yeah. it and there's your contact on that website if they want to send yes, an email. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah well, absolutely. we'll put that in the show notes. Sure. So why don't we end, and uh, why don't you yeah. give us an Advent blessing? Yeah. What, what, first, thank you, Rob. Um, this it, we've been friends a long time, decades, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly when we first met, but it's mm-hmm. a real delight to yeah. just be in your company. As always, yeah. And uh, I hope here. I hope this was some help to somebody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought um, to uh, to close, I'd like to read a prayer. Mm. Um, again, um, Anglicans are good for reading prayers, uh, but we we pray them uh, in our heart, obviously as well. Mm-hmm. But this is a really good prayer um, uh, from uh, a book uh, for for Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany by Stephen Cherry mm. called Barefoot Ways, mm. which is just a. I knew Stephen. He was um, he worked at the cathedral in Durham, and and I got to know him when I lived in Durham. Mm. Uh, he's now the chaplain or the dean of the of um, uh, King's College in Cambridge. So sometimes people follow, they go to Christmas lessons and carols at King's College. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's where Stephen is now. Mm-hmm. But um, he's written this wonderful book with prayers um, for Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany. And this is the opening prayer. And you're going to hear some of that 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 wonderful language of Advent and to come in preparation mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Christ's coming uh, and call to us today. So... Here's the closing prayer for, for Advent. God the Almighty, from before the dawn of time, you were preparing the way for your people to return to their eternal home. Call us, we pray, from the depths of our bewildered uncertainty. Open our ears to the strains of your voice and draw us from the toil of our earthbound cares to the delights and purposes you've prepared for us in our beloved 
Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Church of the North podcast, a production of Briarcrest College and Seminary. For more information about the podcast, visit churchinthenorth.ca. To learn more about Briarcrest, visit briarcrest.ca. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard today, please share this episode with other ministry leaders. 